0: This life changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. So, we're going to continue a sermon on the Mount. And um, if you have not heard the first three messages, go back and listen. They've been powerful. And this is Jesus speaking to his disciples. And he's telling us how to live, how to walk. And so that's important that we understand and and see what he's having to say. So uh, last week, salt and light and uh, just a, a, a great message. Heard a great testimony this morning besides the ones that we already heard. Robert Montgomery, he just doesn't stop. He said he wants to make the angels sing constantly in heaven. And uh, he was pumping some gas on the way to church and had to lead someone to the Lord then. Now, if the angels can rejoice, we can rejoice, right? All right. Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. Do not think that I've come to destroy the law. And that's Jesus speaking. Do not think I've come to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Jesus came to fulfill the law. Not to do away with it, but to fulfill it. And notice it says the destroy the law or the prophets and what that's talking about where the prophets prophesied about the Messiah that Jesus would fulfill every aspect of every prophecy about him so he fulfilled the law he fulfilled the prophets so I'm not he said I'm not doing away with that I'm fulfilling it And you see there, if you uh, look online, you have some notes. Jesus would fulfill every part of the law, even the overlooked areas. And that's what we're going to talk about some this morning. So the disciples were probably a little confused. They thought he was going to destroy that. uh, He was going to get rid of the law and not, not fulfill it. They didn't have an understanding. So he's bringing understanding to them that they would, um, they would have a glimpse of really the depth of the price that he would pay. When he said he would fulfill the law, you, can you imagine fulfilling the law? It was impossible. It meant you had to be sinless. And that's what Jesus was saying. I'm going to fulfill it. So they probably staggered back a little bit and they're probably thinking, well, I know Jesus, um, he's not going to have any idols. He's not going to worship someone before God, the Father. He's not going to steal, kill, cheat. He's not going to do these things, commit adultery. He's not going to be one of those that breaks the big Ten. Commandments, right? That's probably what they were thinking, but Jesus blows them out of the water. He starts teaching them. That's a little bit more to it than that. So he gives them a revelation, really, of the depth of sin. Verse 18 For surely I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. He could have said by me. But he just said it's going to be fulfilled. I've come to fulfill it. The jot and tittle was the smallest letters and marks in the Hebrew alphabet. And they were often overlooked. We would say it's like dotting every I and crossing every T. Jesus would fulfill places that were overlooked. That people would not take notice of and not understand, but he fulfilled it. He would dot every I and cross every T. He would mention outward sins, but he would talk about some sins that were inwardly, and those are the jots and tittles, really, that we don't think about. And he would teach them that the inward sins caused the outward sins. And he's wanting to teach them, if you want to walk with God, you need to get to the root of sin. And that is what's inside. And we'll look some more at that. In Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16, it says, These six things the Lord hates. Yes, even are abomination. Seven are abomination. First, he says, a proud look. Anybody in here ever given the proud look? I think we all have. Proverbs 16, 18 says, Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Proverbs eleven two, 2, when pride comes in, comes shame. But when the humble, but with the humble is wisdom. James 4, 6, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So, you know, we may not, we thought, well, that was just a look. There was no action there. I didn't hit him. I just gave a look. But we see that scriptures is telling us that God hates the proud look. A lying tongue. These are thoughts expressed, and they're expressed through our tongue. Proverbs 12, verse 18. But the tongue of the wise promotes health. Does your tongue promote health? Do you have a healthy tongue? Have you cleaned your tongue lately? <laughs> There's some scrapers. No. Now you, you're to clean your tongue. To have a clean tongue, you've got to have some clean thoughts. The truthful lip shall be established forever by lying tongue is but for a moment. Proverbs 21:23. Whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from trouble. If you have a run around, if you have a tongue that's just running wild, you're in for trouble. Then it says hands that shed innocent blood. We're going to talk about that just a little later. Uh, verse 18. A heart devises wicked plans. Feet that are swift and running to evil. Proverbs 4, 26. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. It didn't say that they did evil. They were after. They wanted to go watch evil. They were... Their feet were swiftly going towards it. And God hates that. He said that those that are making plans, they're wicked. They're against God. God hates that. It didn't say they even followed through. They were just making plans. Jots and tittles, those things that we don't realize. But in the eyes of God, they're wrong says, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among the brethren. Here, once again, the tongues involved. False witness, lies, sowing discord. God hates that. That's things that are overlooked. So God's going... Jesus is going to talk about things that are jots and tittles even in the Sermon on the Mount. He's going to hit the big ones, what the outward sins, what we call big. But he's going to teach us the root cause. God's majoring on what we consider to be the minors. In Matthew 5, going back to the Sermon on the Mount, verse 19. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments... Say the least. And teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great, say great, in the kingdom of heaven. This is a powerful verse there. Powerful. How many want to be great in the kingdom of heaven? He's telling us how you can be great in the kingdom. Does he want you to be great in the kingdom? Yes. Yes. He wouldn't tell you how to get there if he didn't want you to be great in the kingdom. How do you do it? Well, he tells us here, do you want to be great in the kingdom? This is how you do it. Obey these least commandments he's talking about and teach others these commandments. That your life is teaching that this is the way. What's the least? He's talking about those things overlooked. He's talking about those jots and tittles. The negative thing is, if you don't deal with these issues, you will be called least in the kingdom because you will have the outward sin that's affecting other people and influencing them. And God wants it stopped before then. So let's see what he is saying. And you can read the whole Sermon on the Mount and see what he's telling us. This is the way we walk and live. If you do these things, you can be great in the kingdom. You know, it would not be a happy day. I guess it's a happy day. Yeah, it's a happy day. Going to heaven. But the judgment seat of Christ, I don't want to hear my name called. Bob the least, come up here. But that's, well, God grades on the curve. No? Now, if you want the curve, that was salvation. <laughs> that was the curve, and everyone's included. But when it comes out to rewards and walking great right in the kingdom, he means what he says. Verse 20, for I say to you, Jesus still speaking, for I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. said, so you can't even get into the kingdom if your righteousness does not exceed these Pharisees. Now they were blown away by this because these were considered the righteous of the righteous, the great men. They went to the temple seven times a day. Three times a day they prayed for uh, at least an hour or two. They gave a lot of money. They fasted a lot. They did all the things but Jesus knew it was all on the outside. It was really a facade because they had the proud looks. They were deceitful. They were those that were swift to run to evil. They sowed discord among the brethren. And the truth is to get to heaven... You've got to have the righteousness of God to get there. But Jesus is just teaching them and saying, look, it's what's on the inside that matters because it will affect the outside. He's going to tell them now how to recognize sin on the inside recognize it while it's inside of you because then if you can stop it inside of you it'll never display be displayed out there Matthew 5:21 For you've heard that was said to the people long ago do not murder and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment Now the Bible says there's a time to kill but there's never a time to murder Say, there is a time to kill, but not a time to murder. In Proverbs six sixteen, we talked about the, the, the sins that God hates. There's only one that was an outward sin. The rest were inward. And that was hands that shed innocent blood, and that's murder. Anytime... Innocent blood is shed is called murder. And there's never a time for murder. What about the children of Israel? Haven't you ever read the Old Testament? <laughs> yes. There's a lot of bloodshed in, in the book of Joshua. and You know, there's a lot of things Israel was told to do. And you read it, and, and Joshua is so bloody, and they went up against the Amorites. And God said, wipe out all the inhabitants. And so, well, they, they killed innocent people. No, they didn't. They weren't innocent. Because God had given them opportunity year after year after year to repent. The God of the Old Testament is still the God of the New Testament. He hasn't changed. And he gave them opportunity after opportunity, but they turned it down. It even grew worse until it was better for everyone that they weren't there. So I've got this in your notes, capital punishment in killing in a time of war is scriptural, but murder is never acceptable. In Romans 13, verse 3, For the rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For he is God's minister to you for good, But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. So God set up government. He set up, uh, actually set up military. He set up these authorities to give us laws. Really, the laws should be for the unbelievers. Amen? Amen. Not for the believer, but these laws were set up for protection uh, of people, and it says that he does not bear the sword in vain. Means that the government has the right to bear the sword against you, and that that sword was the way that people were killed back then. Today would say the government has the right to hold the electric chair up against you to take your life. So killing in time of, of war. And I remember what Jesus told Pilate in John 18, 36. It said, Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this physical world, my servants would fight So that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. He's saying, if my kingdom was in this physical arena, they would fight for me. There is a time to fight. In fact, God not only commended going to fight in in time of war. He commanded it of them to do it. Someone breaks into your house, you have the right scripturally to do harm to them. And if you're a girl with guns, look out. (laughs) Matthew 5 21. For you have heard that was said to the people long ago, do not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone says to his brother, Raka, is answerable to the Sanhedrin. But if anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Anger here, it means lightly angry. Anyone who is lightly angry with his brother is subject to judgment. Boy, that puts it in a whole different category, doesn't it? He's telling us that being lightly angry, what that is, if you went on down the road, you continue with that path, that's what leads to murder. If you have a fault in you of anger... And you keep that thought on the inside of you. Eventually it will come out. And it might be some light anger. But it continues on. And you harbor it. You start meditating on it. And it grows. And you keep on. You keep on. And anger comes out. And it, it becomes worse. And worse and worse until you can commit murder. And that's what Jesus is talking about. Stop it. Stop it in its tracks. Because you're subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. murder begins with thought the devil can't make you murder someone he can't make you flip Wilson the devil made me do it is unscriptural (laughs) he can't force you he can't make you take a gun and go murder someone it's choices and open doors long time ago before that what well, if a person is demon-possessed? Well, there was open doors a long time ago. And they came to that point. I've heard of people in the news. I don't know what came to me. I heard a voice and I killed my baby. Let me tell you, they've been hearing voices for a long time. Before it reached that point. There was thoughts of killing Her babies a long time before the action took place. The devil was having a heyday. But it started with light anger. Offense. Offended. Instead of dismissing the thought and giving forgiveness. They kept it. And that meditating. Wherever you meditate on you. Or meditate. A pun will get in your heart. A well, pastor, I don't know how to meditate. Yes, you do. Have you ever worried? That's meditation in the wrong way. It's exactly what it is. So if you allow your mind, your your soul, to meditate on something that's not the word of God, you'll find yourself doing things that you never dreamed you'd do. And Jesus saying, I want you to be great in the kingdom. Stop it in the thought. Well, I don't have the power to change my thoughts. Yes, you do. Blue dog. Every one of you thought about blue dog. You can change your thoughts, you might have to turn off something. And turn on something else. You might have to get the word of God on. I was talking to someone the other day. And I said, you just need some word. Your, your word level's low. You're letting fear overtake you. Well, I don't feel like getting in the word. Well, I got some great news for you. That's the best time to get in. The word. What? when I don't want to yes you need it it's good for you outburst of anger what, what, as a man thinks in his heart so is he Jesus is not saying the thought is as bad as the deed he's saying the thought is the deed In the eyes of God, the thought is the same as the outward sin. Now, I'm not saying, well, I've had the thought, God's already seen this sin. I might as well go ahead and do the outward expression of this. No. No, get repentance while it's inside, before it comes out. He will forgive you. The problem is mankind may not forgive you. (laughs) There's people in your life that may not forgive you. But God will forgive you. So stop it before it manifests and comes out. And as sooner the better to learn this. You want to be great in the kingdom? You got to control your thoughts. You got to take action. It's much easier to ask forgiveness from God than to commit the deed and have to go to God and people to get forgiveness. There's a battle for your soul and whoever you agree with is the way that you will go. There's a battle that God's trying to get a hold of your Your mind, your will, your emotions, your reasoning, your decisions, your imagination. God's trying to influence you to yield to his spirit and to truth and the ways of life. And God has his word and the table set before you, but the devil's coming. What's he after? Your soul? That's the reason the battle's in the mind. That's what Jesus is telling us. The battle is in the mind. Satan is coming to get a hold of your mind, your thoughts, your imaginations, your will, your emotions to grab hold of them. That you'll make decisions and actions that are contrary to what he says. And unbelievers, unbelievers can have these thoughts and stuff. And God's trying to influence them for what? Salvation. Because he, he doesn't have a place in them because their spirit belongs to the enemy. So he's trying to get them saved and get them into the family. But even those in the family, if you don't stop the thoughts, if you don't get the victory over the mind, you can walk as an unbeliever. And be totally defeated in this life. And you can stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And you'll have no rewards. In fact, you'll smell like smoke. And you'll be called the least. But I believe, not in this house. I believe that you're a people who want reward. That you're disciples of the Lord. And you want to be great in the kingdom of God. Because we serve a great God who is worthy of all praise and all adoration. That we should lay down our very lives for him. It's the only reasonable thing when we consider what he's done for us. We renew our mind to God's word to know what comes from God and what comes from the enemy. If you don't renew your mind, you'll yield to the wrong spirit. And What are we talking about renewing our mind and yielding our thoughts? We're talking about fellowship. That's what we're talking about. Fellowship with God. Walking in intimacy and relationship with him. Fellowship with him. That's what we're talking about. Renewing our mind. See, in the notes there, every thought and action declare your devotion to God or to the enemy. See, God wants us to reign in life, He wants us to live victorious and have an abundant life. Verse 22 But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother, lightly angry, be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother, Raka, and this is, is a word that means a Words that offend men or people. Words that offend. And this would be uh, curse words. These are strong words that are being spoken about a person. You know the words. I'm not going to say what the words are. You know the words. That's raka. And said, anyone who says this to his brothers, answerable to the Sanhedrin. Sanhedrin was like the jury, uh, the judgment. And you're subject to these things. It could be a setup from the enemy. If you give someone a piece of your mind, it could be a setup. You could find yourself in court or in prison, in jail. But I'm a believer. It can't happen to me. It, It can If you don't do what Jesus is saying there, so calling someone a curse word, do it. When it says you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell, you fool are words that offend God. And what he's calling, the Bible says if you call someone a fool, Uh, or a fool is someone who doesn't believe there's a God. What you're doing is judging someone spiritually. And that is a fool. We don't have the right to judge anyone spiritually. That's between God and them. He is the judge. And when we take his place, God's not real happy with that. It'd be like you telling someone they're going to hell. You did this, you're going straight to hell. You, no, don't even go there. You're not the judge. And you're in danger of hellfire. It didn't say you're going to hell if you called someone a fool. I know it's a word that we use a different way from what the scriptures that meant back then. But when you judge someone spiritually, in fact, it's best not to even judge someone. When someone maybe someone tells you something someone else says, go that person. Because you don't know the heart. You can't judge even how what someone meant. And that's just a practical thing. We're talking about spiritually judging. What only God can judge. Then Matthew five twenty three. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remembered that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. Now, being a fool is judging someone else spiritually. But you know what? The Bible is there's several places talking about judging ourselves and what the scriptures say. And you even when it comes to giving here, Jesus is saying, in your heart, you know that someone has ought against you, don't even give until that's settled. You're talking about something that's just overlooked, you know. I'll take care of that another time. He, Jesus said, take care of it. Now, the reason they have all against you, is not that they did something against you. It's that you did something wrong against them. And that's what this is speaking of. You did something wrong, and you need to go make it right. Now, most of us probably know have experienced this. You did something wrong. Uh, I'm just going to let that go. And then you couldn't let go. You had to go take care of it. That was the Lord telling you. But it's interesting to me. Jesus is saying that this inward life affects even the outward giving to him. It's affected by it to the point he says, don't give until you get it right because your heart's not pure. Your heart's not right. Now, how many people, and see what it is, you're actually out of fellowship with God. Because I guarantee you, God was already speaking to that person before it was time to give at the altar he was already speaking they were in fellowship with God see a lot of people are wanting the blessing of the promises of God when they're not in fellowship with him acting like they want and expect the same blessing just like they're in fellowship with God and walking with him just like Pastor Rob was talking, I thought it was a great illustration about child at home who uh, doesn't clean the room. I don't remember the exact illustration. Aaron could probably, no, I'm kidding. Love Aaron. But cookie before dinner. So, we, what if that child came and, and said well you know at least I, I took the garbage out <laughs> hey I want to get my allowance I took the garbage out we're not even talking about allowance if anything we'll talk about how much you got paid from now on you're paying rent <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but we do God that way <laughs> you know we're on the fellowship there's this thing there that we need to take care of and yet we're still expecting God to bless us and just to go on like nothing's there. And that's not what Jesus is teaching us here. 1 Corinthians 13 says, if you don't have love, you can give all that you have to the poor. It will profit you Nothing. So you find out that being in fellowship is really being walking in love. It's not love when you offended someone, whatever, and, and you don't do anything about it. That's not love. And you're in fellowship with God. So it's a good thing to judge yourself. Mark eleven twenty five. 25, when you stand to pray, forgive. James 5, 16, confess your trespasses one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Yeah. Now, this isn't talking about that we're just going, uh, let's take the next 15 minutes and let's, let's confess everything we've done wrong to each other. I just have a good old confession time. No. That's not what this verse is talking about. This verse is talking about. Someone that you did wrong to. You go to them. And you confess. You get it right. And you pray for each other. What I like to do when there's been offense. I like to. Have the parties take communion. And we're going to pray. It's a scriptural thing to do. Confess your trespasses. To each other. Pray for each other. You know what can happen? Healing. And I believe it's not just healing emotionally. In the heart. I I believe it's healing even in the body. That many times things are, are stopped. Because we haven't done what the Lord's asked us to do. and 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And where is this unrighteousness? In our soul, in your mind, will, and emotions. It's not in your spirit. Your spirit is sealed by the Holy Spirit and belongs to God once you're a believer. But your soul it's the gateway. It's the door. God working in your life or the enemy working in your life? I'm reminded that the Passover lamb, they took a, they slew the lamb. They, they took a bowl and they put the blood in a bowl. And that bowl represented Jesus' blood shed for our salvation. And then they would take a little bit of blood, a few sprinkles, they put on the side post and over the door post. And that represented our walk with God. There was so much more blood that purchased our salvation. It just takes a little bit for our walk. And. It also represents, it just takes a, a little bit for you to stay in fellowship, to get back in fellowship with God. How do you apply it? 1 John 1, 9. He's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Aren't you glad he's a forgiving God? Hallelujah. And then you're back in Fellowship. Matthew 25, 26. settle matters quickly if your adversary, that means unbeliever, who is taking you to court, do it while you are still with him on the way, or he may hand you over to the judge. Judge may hand you over to the officer. You may be thrown into prison. I tell you the truth, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. And it's talking about come to terms here. It doesn't mean you walk in agreement. Come to terms. Find a place of peace. Before it gets to that place. Jesus is teaching us to deal with things. At the initial root. The root cause. At the beginning. Come to terms. It means don't get angry and blow your top. Because you could go to before the judge. And it could be. The enemy has been setting you up for you to blow your top this particular time where he can take you captive. And that, what happens to your witness when you're taken captive? It's a little difficult. Uh, You could say, well, I'm Paul, I'm in prison, I'm going to write the next epistles. No. Sorry. so my last point I got be wise walking in this world be wise sometimes the Lord will just have you turn and walk away from a place of contention yeah but I I think I'm supposed to go in and be mighty and strong and not necessarily the Lord might want you to walk away and now that group, there might be one that follows you and says, What must I do to be saved? It's yielding to the Spirit of God. So, what is the least commandment to keep and, and to teach others? It's to guard your heart of all diligence, because out of it comes the issues of life. I like this in the New Living. It says, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. Your thoughts determine the course of your life. Your soul, your imagination, what you're seeing determine the course of your life. So when those thoughts come that you don't like, what's it say? Cast down those thoughts. Cast down every high lofty thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Cast it down. And what do you replace it with? The Word of God. Means you got to get in the Word. The Word of God. You replace it. Don't go around confessing, I'm not going to have this stalled again. I rebuke that. In the name of Jesus, that hot Krispy Kreme donut, I I will not. I will not have that donut. I don't want anything to do with that donut. I don't even like it. Nothing to do with that donut. What am I going to do? Everywhere I go, if I meditate on this, I'm going to see it everywhere. I didn't know there was one here and the red lights on. Oh, my. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do one. Oh, just one more time, you know, just one more time, Lord. And it's all over. <laughs> no, God, you've given me a, a spirit of self-control. Thank you, Jesus. Where I can look like Ron, and John. <laughs> The a strong guy and Dennis, my man. <laughs> Self-control. Why? The word of God has power to equip you and to carry you through this life. And when you stand before Jesus and he says, you were great in your service for me and you follow his feet. You say, it was worth it all, Jesus. It was worth it all. It was worth it all. It's power heads. Father, we just thank you so much for your word. We thank you that you're a merciful, good God. That your forgiving power is not limited Lord, anyone that has breath within them can call out for forgiveness. Anyone has breath in their lungs can call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. The choice is yours. He'll not make you repent. He'll not make you come to his feet. He'll not make you Accept the free gift of salvation. He died. He took your place. He fulfilled the law. He not only fulfilled the outward sins, He took the outward sins, He also took the sins of the thought. Because He lived a sinless life in deed and thought. Jesus was sinless. Where you could be redeemed and set free in your thoughts. Where you could have a Savior. A relationship with God Almighty. If that's you today, first of all, if you you want to call upon Jesus as your Savior. you want to give your heart to him today if every head bowed and shut, no one looking around and you watching online you can make this the choice today right now everything can change for you your eternal destination will change and new life will come in you all you got to do is accept him Just follow this prayer, and you mean it from your heart. You'll belong to Jesus. You'll be a part of his family. Anyone in here that needs Jesus, just slip your hand up. We're going to pray. Say, dear God, let's all say it. Dear God, I thank you for Jesus Christ who took my place who paid for my sins my wrong actions and my wrong thoughts my wrong decisions my wrong thinking my wrong imagination I thank you Jesus for paying the price for me that I could be welcomed into the family of God eternally secure in you welcomed in by the Father and you the Son and the Holy Spirit thank you Lord for dying for me I give you my life take my life Lord do what you want to do I give it all to you now Thank you that you were raised from the dead and now seated at the right hand of Father God. Now, Lord, for each of these that prayed, I pray that your Holy Spirit will strengthen them and cause them to rise up and do what you called them to do. In Jesus' name.